definitely. So it's been good overall. Um, a lot uh, overwhelming initially, but gradually it got better and better, and I, I felt more comfortable in the environment as well. Um, and I do, I do feel there are challenges, but I do school-wise, I do feel a lot more comfortable with it, and I kind of know what I'm doing a bit more now. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I guess as you're describing all of this, I'm sort of, I'm waiting for you to say, <laughs> but <laughs> the downside. I know. <laughs> I know. No, I think it's not, I think the job itself isn't so much the issue now. Like I, I kind of like accepted like, okay, this is what I'm doing now and that's fine. And that's in my brain and I'm not going to be questioning that anymore. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like it was kind of going well. And I think also I was very present, you know, like because I think everything was new mm -hmm. and I had so much to do all of a sudden, my brain was very occupied. I was being a lot more present and I think my anxiety definitely had just kind of not gone away, but gone down like quite a lot because I was very focused and I, my brain, yeah, like I said, my brain was focused on the newness of everything and trying to, Mm. Cap, cap, try to catch up with everyone and try to do the job basically like it was very much on like not survival mode but it was very much focused and I found that my anxiety I found ways to control the anxiety because I was so predominantly focused on like getting myself settled in school and then kind of like over the half term all of a sudden because I, I had all that time to myself and it kind of, the anxiety just kind of came back. Like it had kind of gone away a little bit, the day-to-day -day anxiety, and then it just kind of came back, really. And um, I don't know, I, I saw some relatives. Um, I think I told you there was like a, mem a member of my family, like family friend who passed away in like November and like, or September, and that was what kind of triggered me to kind of spiral into this uh existential kind of anxiety sort of thing and yes. obviously quite a combination of that and a little bit of like, of like grief and things like that so i mean i did see that family over the half term break and i don't know whether it was that particularly that maybe tri triggered something in me again and then mm. it kind of, that kind of existential dread slash anxiety sort of came back sort of maybe three four days ago so, so that was in our half term uh, in, in my half term holidays and it kind of hasn't gone away again uh, I've been trying to do a lot of things to what yeah um, what have you well before before we talk about what you've been doing I mean sure. you know when you say the anxiety is back the existential dread is back um, yeah I guess the question is well, yeah, what does that mean for you? It's like if, you know, if anxiety and existential dread was kind of a monster um, yeah. and you sort of say, well, the monster's back, Steve, it's back. I was, you know, when I was focused on the kids, it, uh, it, 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 yeah. it didn't plague me, but now it's back. What, yeah. what, uh, what, what is this monster? What, is it, what does it feel like? What does it look like? Yeah. How does it stalk you? How does it torment you? How does it... Uh, yeah. criticize you or, or or stop you from doing things in your life what yeah. what what's what's its deal i think it's it's it i don't i can I, and also because i i do think about it a lot and i try and like analyze everything and i'm trying to think okay what's the i'm like i'm trying to find a it's it's kind of like i'm trying to find like the best possible path in life like it sounds dramatic but 
you hear all the time from people like you need to take you need to take every day like as a blessing and you have to be really grateful for your life and you count your blessings every day and you you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow that like you you hear people say those things to you all the time which you know it is true technically like we don't know the future and all that and we should we should we shouldn't take our lives for granted and i agree with that so then i i recognize those things so then i try every single day like when i wake up to tell myself kind of you know to be this is it best, kind you know? of thing this is yeah myself mm. because i'm like well i don't know the future so i should i should try hard today and but then i find that But is that record. anxiety creating? Because it's not. It's interesting. You wake up and it's not like you say, "Today is a day where I can um, try and suck the, the the marrow out of life." Um, you know, suck all the joy and the and the juice and the gratitude um, yeah. out of life. It sounds like for you. Yeah. the good life because what we're talking about it is existential it's philosophical right you're sort of like yeah. well what is the good life it sounds like the good life for you at some level is about yeah. being doing the best being do, do you know do, 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 yeah excelling in some way but and, and that causes anxiety when maybe you feel you're not excelling i'm not saying excelling at school but what yeah. is the what is the what is that being your best or doing your best what is what does what, what, what does that mean in terms of yeah. the expectation of the, you have on yourself that's the thing i mean i think for me it is i mean that is the thing i mean excelling is that i think that's another is a whole other issue i think i have with that like i and i always have conversations with my mom and my relative like just recently i've had because i i've had that like i think from a since i was a kid i mean right from the school environment primary school i was i was an overachiever like 100% was an overachiever like i went to a really really like uh like high level you know, girls private school where we were constantly told how exceptional we were and how you know how we were like the top whatever 2% or not maybe not 2% but we were constantly told like that was drilled into us from the get go like we're not average we have to excel we have to perform and so that's that's always going to be there so i mean i don't know i think i've improved in that aspect but yeah i think to an extent excelling maybe not excelling but mm. there's an expectation that i should be getting the sort of doing the best i can and yeah. getting the most out of life or you know trying trying my hardest as well i think mm. or i can't know like the anxiety as well a lot of it is me stupidly potentially thinking that if i'm anxious or if i have an extra level of kind of high alertness then i won't be caught off guard by things or i can somehow protect myself from things or it's somehow my job to protect myself from things and prevent things predict things which i know is i know when i really think about it is not possible but it's like the body is kind of protect yourself like, in what way because when you say yeah. it's my job you are stating a truth there um in the sense that the, the i think the mind uh if it was yeah. designed for us um by evolution or god or whoever you want to think i mean surely yeah. that's what the mind is about it's it only it's like yeah, you only had one job the, the only job mm. the mind has is to guide us it's sort of like you know like an inner parent right it's to guide us sure. lead us help us to live the most 
joyful, interesting, stimulating, um, balanced life we can. So that's if that's the job of your mind, mm. um, right, uh, okay. in what way is it doing it well? And in what way is it maybe you're kind of like, well, why? Mm, it's not doing it so, so well there. Yeah, I mean, I, I very. I at the end of the day, I am grateful for my mind because you know, you when you have a certain, you feel that you have a level of intelligence, you can enjoy life on a slight, on a different dimension. Like you know, like it gives, it's given me so much pleasure, like academic pleasure, being able to like the joy, like the love of learning that I feel like I've gotten from my mind. Like I have always loved to learn and acquire information. Like I've always been one of those people so from that aspect it's doing that well and I do think my mind is obviously now helping me in this work environment like thanks to my mind I can do this job and mm. I have certain knowledge of whatever math or English or whatever I'm teaching and a certain ability to be creative and hopefully add to the environment a little bit that I'm in like at least I can contribute you know so it's doing that well and but it it just overdoes it i think it just goes on this it overdrive or it kind of i don't know maybe what's the word it 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 tries to take on i guess it tries to take on burdens which it doesn't need to take on like i don't i don't really think the mind or and or we can really protect ourselves that much from especially the kind of thoughts that I have, which are always very, like, catastrophic or existential. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I do get very, like, I always think of worst-case scenarios, like, and I have been like this for a while, you know, if I'm just walking down the street, for example, like, on the pavement, I'm like, oh, what if a car runs into me? Like, literally, these are the, these are the kind sure, of thoughts that just sure. pop into my uh-huh. mind. Or, like, I sit in yeah. a car and I automatically think Which of, is like, the mind, let's remind ourselves, it is the mind yeah. doing its job. The mind needs to know that it's possible for cars to run into us. Otherwise, we would walk on the road. <laughs> Right, that's and that's true. that's the healthy version. And all we're sure. talking about here is we're not talking. We're just talking about like, well, what is the healthy version of that? And then how? What you know? How do we know when we are in the unhealthy version? Because often the yeah. unhealthy version seems to be perfectly reasonable, right? Sure. You know that oh, I'm worried that a car's going to plow into me. That's a you know, and and of course that is a necessary worry for all of us sure. to have but it's where sure. the where, where it's set i suppose how strong yeah. it is how um, strong it is yeah how and so that, when you have this worry what 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 happens let's say you're walking along the road um is there another part of your mind that sort of comes in and kind of mitigates and kind of uh, mitigates attenuates modifies so that the worry can be kept in a sort of healthy place or is is the is the kind of mind you have it's more like an echo chamber and then the the worry just sort of starts to echo and it starts to get bigger and bigger in a way yeah i think i think it just depends really on the situation i mean it when i i know i can i think i'm aware of when it gets to like like you said like it becomes like an echo chamber i'm very aware of it because I, I do start to feel those like physical symptoms like I think for me like if I didn't really feel like these physical symptoms of anxiety I probably wouldn't be so concerned about it but I've always had that like very strong feeling if if I think when my anxiety is getting a bit over top so like for example the last few days where I know 
it has been getting worse is because I have been feeling, you know, so the tightness of the chest, the, the, the tummy going really funny and kind of feeling not being able to be present really because I'm, it is, mm. yeah, it sort of takes over my brain and then I can't really focus on things. And even today, like in school, I mean, it wasn't too bad. I'm glad because my, my brain was kind of occupied doing something, but then I would be teaching or I'd be talking to a student and half of me is present in the moment and helping them. And then half of my, it feels like half of my brain is stuck in existentialism and fear. And it was, it's very strange. Like I think it can do both at the same time somehow. Um, It can be super anxious, my my body and mind, but also I'm also doing something at the same time. It's like multitasking. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's, That's right. And, 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 and I guess uh, another way to describe it is that half of you is living and half of you is not because yeah, that's exactly. kind of the mental stuff that is processing that, you know, in an ideal, I don't know, um, <laughs> ideal organism, that would be completely running in the background, just like it does on a yeah. computer, right? You're not aware of all the various sure. processes that are going on. You're just yeah. enjoying, you're just enjoying the interface. You're just enjoying yeah. what's on the screen. And exactly. that's living. And I guess in some way, what we're always trying to do um, is sort of try and have that processing going on so we're conscious of it but not so that it sort of takes over and gets in the way of us living and enjoying our lives exactly that's exactly what i want it's kind of being it's the idea of kind of yeah i mean especially with the existentialist stuff or like worrying about when we're going to die or how that's going to happen or when it's going to happen and all those things that i mean there's a kind of like you said like these are not wrong incorrect questions to ask or incorrect things to worry about because they're very like so core to our like key like core to our like what's the word human existence like we know these things are going to happen this this thing will happen and we don't know when it will happen and that's normal these are normal things to ponder about but to what extent and how do i yeah i don't want to be thinking about these things to the point where it is like you said affecting my ability to just function or just live relatively comfortably i think that's what it is isn't it because there's also no point sometimes i think in thinking about those things either like that's i mean that's the mentality that i think most people around me seem to adopt is like well death and all those kind of things maybe once in a blue moon i'll think about it but other than that it doesn't really bug me day to day i just go about my life and i don't really think about it at all i just push it and mm. i don't think about it i don't even think about those things because I guess they just think, what's the point? That's, I guess, maybe most people think. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but those are also maybe different personality styles because, again, you know, I do think there are a couple of personality styles that yeah. if you look at if you look at how they function, they are... They're, they're just the deep thinkers. They're sort of the philosophers, if you like, the natural yeah. philosophers of yeah. the... Um, yeah of the the human dimension um and and being a natural philosopher means that you can't help your mind having these very big weighty thoughts and it seems like you have a mind that that uh can't help itself right it's i mean the the thoughts are there it's like having a i don't know it's like having um, Socrates or Aristotle just living in your <laughs> head and continuously sort of asking you these deep philosophical questions. Well, yeah. of course you're going to uh, um, uh, 
you're you're going to uh, respond to them, or or it's go it's speaking a language which you enjoy um, interacting with, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, on some level, there is there is a fascination there, like for the deep philosophical questions, and I think it's I don't resent myself for asking them. I think at some point in life, maybe everyone should ask those questions, especially if they haven't, they don't feel satisfied with like whatever other people around them are telling, telling them. Like I, I've always felt that way about religion and faith and stuff. Like I still question it because I just think, why should I believe what's, you know, what's just being handed to me, like this convenient explanation of things. Like why should I believe that, you know? So I do question these things, but yeah, I don't know. I think it does just get to a point where equally I don't I just don't see any value in it and then I just think to myself what's the point if you're constantly in fear or your body is constantly preparing you thinking it's preparing you for something but really you don't actually know anything at all about the future. Like it's true though. Um it's it, I, that's how I feel with myself. It's like the anxiety is very much it's like I'm so I, for me, like as well, I, I, because it's I think on a physical level, mental, maybe not so much mental, but that physical, those physical symptoms or that physical feeling of my body is kind of preparing for something. I've really experienced that for a long time, for many years actually. Like it's become very like constant in my life that feeling, and I did kind of shed it a little bit um, last sort of month, and then it's like my body isn't used to that. Like it, it's like it feels exposed all of a sudden when it's not anxious. Does that make any sense? Like it suddenly feels vulnerable. Like I'm not wearing clothes. It's like I'm not. It's like become such a habit for me that. Does it really? When you when you are not feeling anxious, you feel you you sort of not feeling anxious, and you're feeling let's say relatively settled or grounded. You yeah. there's a part of you that's like. Why am I not feeling anxious? Uh, it's yeah. is it a bit like you know? Is it a bit like I don't know? Like like you might feel if you knew that the fire alarm system, the sprinklers, or whatever, were weren't functioning in the house, and you were like, well, what if there is a fire? I'm you know I'm yeah. screwed. Is yeah. it a bit like that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's yeah. a shame that I guess it's kind of gotten to that because I know that's not. Like we we were talking about the value and having some level of anxiety, and I, I I do see that as well. But I know the level of anxiety that I've been experiencing is abnormal because it doesn't feel good. Like yes, it's a habit, but it doesn't feel good. Like the body, I know on a physical level, it's not normal. If that makes sense, like because because it doesn't feel good, that's the only sign I can say. It's like I'm feeling these things, and then my it feels like my, everything in my body is kind of not in sync, and you know you know you you start to get an upset tummy or you can't go to the bathroom like things like that that's it's sure. a good enough sign to know that you're not exactly on the right track because your body's telling you so um it is i always think it's something that i do have to work on i'm not satisfied by feeling that way all the time because that's my there's my body right plain and plain and simple telling me that this is not right for you yeah. yeah, to be feeling this way constantly. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> it just doesn't feel good, and, yeah. And I guess then that then raises the really useful psychological question, at least in my mind, because, you know, because yeah. we're thinking psychologically here and, and spiritually, psycho-spiritually, which yeah. is, well, what is healthy anxiety, 
right? Mm. Um, and also, we certainly know what unhealthy anxiety is. And as you say, you've got a good sense of how that then comes up in your system. But yeah. it would seem, at least in terms of psychology, mm. that... Um, I mean, okay, we, you know, we, I think we know what unhealthy anxiety is. Um, we know it at a, in, in a felt, at a felt level. But then the question is, yeah. well, how do I have more healthy anxiety? And perhaps it really has got something to do with mm-hmm. making more conscious the, um, some of the internal uh, psychological stresses that mm. are driving us sometimes unbeknownst to us, right? So let's take, for example... Um, um, and this is particularly looking at, say, some of our belief structures. Um, yeah. So let's take, for example, let's imagine that there's, you know, there's um, <laughs> two two people who are going to exert a little bit of stress on you. And let's imagine you're in a, you're, you're like a child, right? Because this is where yeah. the stress begins. And let's imagine one of them is quite a sort of stern, um, school mom-ish, quite rigid kind of type. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and this uh, quite sort of dogmatic and rigid, and they say to you something like, okay, like, um, and uh, almost like a demand, like, you have to excel, you can't be average, okay? Now, just imagine that mm-hmm. person giving this message to you, either explicitly, like, girls, this is the way it is. It's a, you know, it's yeah. a doggy dog out world out there. You have to excel, you can't be average. Now, imagine um, a more uh, a sort of non-dogmatic a bit more flexible, caring, um, empathic, um, you know, like your favorite school teacher, right? I'm sure you had yeah. someone like that. Um, mm-hmm. And this is not a person who's just laissez-faire. They're not just saying, oh, well, just don't, don't do anything. Just like, you know, tune in, turn on, drop out. No, this person is maybe saying something along the lines of... Um, uh, 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 something along, let's take that, you have to, right? Let's take it and let's put yeah. it in more in the language of, you know... It would be great if you excelled, um, but hey, it's it's actually fine to be average. Lots and lots of mm. average people are really, really happy as long as they have things, they're doing things that are joyful and interesting and stimulating. So yeah. it would be great to excel, kids, but um, if you don't in that kind of socially validated way, um, yeah. I don't know, 10,000 followers on social media or whatever the case may be, you know, as long as you're doing something interesting and satisfying for you, that's that's going to be great. You're going to have a great life. Now, the question is, <laughs> imagine the child being uh, exposed to, uh, you know, I don't know, 24-7 rigid, um, you have to, uh, you have to excel, you can't be average, versus this more yeah. flexible attitude which of those children, which child is going to be more stressed and is going to actually just have more unhealthy anxiety? Yeah, A, of course. <laughs> the first one. I mean, it yeah. is going to be A, but then I, I suppose I use that example deliberately because in some way you revealed, right, it wasn't mm. your fault, but you revealed that you have also grown up in a, I mean, it's not just your school, it's the, our whole society, which yeah. does impose... Um, you know, it's sort of in the tap water almost, right? You have to excel. You can't be average. If you're an intelligent person, you have to use that intelligence and do amazing things with it. And that's that's, um, lovely if it's being, you know, it's lovely in some capacity, but it's also you can see how stressful holding that belief Mm -hmm. is. And I don't think we can... 
I don't think we can unhook from that belief unless we consciously were to, in a kind of almost, I mean, this is Aristotle, right? It's more Socrates, in an almost Socratic way, kind of question that belief. Like, kind of go like, okay, hang on a second. Is this really the truth? Is this really Mm. what, is this really what, human existence is about it's about excelling and not being average okay this would if socrates was around i guess he'd be saying that and you would say mm-hmm. what if to socrates if he said to you is this really do you really think that this is the this is the philosophical path this is the good life it's yeah. it's about excelling and not being average is it true in other words is it really fundamentally true what would you say to that i don't know i think this, I don't think... Is that the path to happiness? Now, I think Socrates I, I would say, is that, is that how to be happy? Would you be happy by following the path of um, excelling and, God forbid, not, you know, you know and, and just making sure you're, you're not average in any way whatsoever? You can't, you can't dress average, you can't speak average, you can't look average, you can't, you know, you, you, if you want to be happy, you have to excel, you can't be average. Um, is that the path no. to happiness? Is that the path of truth? No, I, I don't think so. I th- Why I think, not? Because lots of people I, think it is. Yeah, I don't. Excelling is is extreme. I think using your abilities to whatever, whatever, like trying your best. I think that's to trying. I think that's that is part of the truth. I don't think it's always you don't really know the outcome or if you're going to excel or not, but using whatever gifts or abilities you have and putting it towards something and trying, I think that's more along the lines of what I believe. I don't think it's so much truth. Uh, sorry, I don't think it's so much excelling, but it's using what you were given, what the cards you've been, the cards that have been played for you, what are you, the opportunities that are in front of you, that sort of thing. And also, yeah, and also, I guess, being a decent human being in the sense of like hopefully helping other people or you know giving love to people the people that you care about those that's the truth i don't think it's necessarily excelling um but that yeah i mean excelling was what was drummed into me as a kid i think because that's a social value but it's not necessarily a personal value because your personal value by the sounds of it is more like i want to i want to do something good i want to give love i want to i want i want to give love and receive love right um and Mm -hmm. and i guess as a as a as a as a life path, well, who's going to be, have a happier time? The person who's giving love and receiving love and focusing on that or the person who is trying to excel according to, because remember, excel according to what? Excel according to social norms, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't, I think I've, it's been a while since I kind of dropped the kind of, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't really care about whatever. If those are the traditional societal values, you know, that they, especially in the West and like the rat race of life, like I, yeah, I've pretty much kind of abandoned those tri- those kind of uh, views. But that's not what I'm aiming for, for sure. Like, I don't, I don't care so much <laughs> about how much money I make or any, yeah, those sort of things. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> I've decided that a long time ago. Yeah. But that's yeah. your rational mind talking, right? Whereas the emotional mind, which is also the mind I think that then leads us into these sort of stressful places, right. that that emotional mind, I don't know, that may at an emotional level struggle with being average, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because again, um, I, I'm thinking just in terms of the archetype, um, you know, fours, 
quite often they like they you know like we like to be non-average we like to be we like to be different we like to be unique we like people to think like wow you you've got something there and um as opposed to oh well you know i'm just going to overlook you because you're just you're just one of many um so at an emotional level i don't know how 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 happy are you with being average would you how would you feel if um you know you went to school and um instead of getting loads and loads of compliments people were like yeah you're doing you're doing fine you're doing fine and you got the sense of like well you know i'm i'm okay i'm average but i'm not like excelling we're back to excelling right i'm not doing an excellent job would you be comfortable being average? Because I think f- the four personality style struggles with that to some extent. I think, I think I would, only because I've gotten to a point now where I'm, I kind of, I feel like I have experienced both ends of the spectrum. Like I've, I've experienced the kind of you're, you're doing exceptionally well and you're like killing it and like, wow, like you're so intelligent and you're, you got into the school, like, wow, good for you. And then but I've also experienced that, oh, my gosh, she's taking a gap here and she's got so much anxiety and she's she's um, been admitted to, like, A&E because she's so anxious. And I've experienced both ends of the kind of feeling so, so, like, on top of the world in terms of my confidence and experienced, like, feeling, like, absolute crap at the bottom of someone's shoe. Like, I've experienced both. So at this point in my life, I'm very much, like, I know, like, even if I did go into school and I received tons of compliments every day or being, if I was constantly being told that I was amazing, I know that doesn't last because it, things change. I know that much. Like, by rationally, I think, and emotionally, I think I've come to terms with that because I know, like, whatever, even if you, you do feel like you are being exceptional, you can't maintain that. It's impossible. It's literally impossible. No one can maintain being exceptional forever. Like, it's, it's, a, it's an illusion. I don't think it's true. That's I don't right. Think yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I guess you've also touched on something where that rigid sort of school mom can turn into the rigid inner critic, right? Because who has their own rigid demands on us? Like, for yeah. example, she's taking a gap year can be turned into a, a rigid um, demand or attitude along the lines of, or you know, or she was admitted to A and E or whatever can be turned into a demand like, well, you know. Um, uh, you know, this person's not a. This person uh, is not a um, a good, fallible but worthwhile person uh, mm-hmm. if they have done this or if they have struggled with their mental health in this way. I mean, in, yeah. in what 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 are the what are the kind of implicit maybe demands that your inner critic puts on you um in in that kind of um setup um yeah i guess it is that sort of thing is like the anxiety or having mental health difficulties i guess i haven't quite accepted not accepted but like day to day is something that i do as much as i think i'm trying to improve the situation like anyone would that is that critic that is like well hurry up already because you haven't why you know like why is this taking so long or why if there's something you can do about it then why is it yeah it's just why is this taking so long or, you know why do you feel this way is that kind of beating myself up about the timeline that whatever timeline I'm on to yeah it's, it's that it's that's what it is it's sort of like well Yes, you, you're allowed to feel anxious and you're allowed to feel crap, but for how long? 
because I do think it's something that I've experienced for a very long time, you know, it's like that. It's like there's definitely um, less, I definitely have less patience with myself when it comes to this now because I just think, oh, gosh, how, you know, for how long am I going to... Because I, equally, because I, I, I know that with, it is, I, I have seen with, if I give myself, if there is a shift in mindset, and I am, um, if I tell myself sort of, there are thoughts that I have been able to drill into myself that have allowed me to kind of uh, function with less anxiety. Like, for example, I, during at least my first term of school, I was constantly telling, well, I was very focused and busy, but I was also constantly telling myself, like I had this thought that I was telling myself every day that your anxiety is not benefiting you and it's actually not doing anything and it's not, like it has no actual, what's the word? Uh, oh, that's great. Know, like, so you, you are, you, yes, you, you're focusing your conscious attention on the helpfulness of it because you're absolutely right. If the mind is designed to be anxious, and it is, unfortunately, right, but healthily anxious, then when it's being anxious in an unhealthy way, that is the best thing you can, prop- you can possibly bring to consciousness, which is like, right. but is this... Is this doing? Is this actually doing anything for me? Because if if it's yeah. not, then my mind is not helping me at this point. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I was constantly telling myself that, and then I I noticed immediately, like uh, you know, there was really very limited anxiety. So I can do it. I can tell myself that thought. I think the problem then occurs is when I get myself in the pattern of thinking, oh, well, actually, is this? It's like. Is this the thought for me? If it, it, it can I? Am I allowed to function with that anxiety? Am I giving myself that? It, it is kind of like that's the thing, and I think it isn't. It isn't an illusory belief that maybe a lot of people with anxiety have is that the anxiety is for so, somehow it is protecting them. Somehow it's doing something. Yeah. It is. It's like if you get caught out or you end up in a dramatic situation at least in my case because it goes straight to sort of existential dread it's like if something happens one day and and something something really bad happens to me or whatever then i get to tell myself oh i told you so it's literally something stupid it's like that it's that kind of like oh you you had a reason to be anxious i'm waiting for that moment where i tell my where i can have the conversation with myself being like oh yeah you were right you know it was you, there was something dramatic was going to happen to you and something awful was, it's, it's like that that's at least the relationship I have with anxiety is that it it's there sort of consciously because I think I can protect myself with it. It's like, but it's yeah. not it's not doing actually doing anything for me, and it's yeah, and it and it and it sort of yeah. does, and it is what you're saying is true to some extent, but it's sort of a half truth, right? In the sense right. that it does need to be there, just like the bit, um, yeah. the you know the the, the all the all this, this, the system stuff in the computer needs to be there, but, sure. but not so much that it's stopping us from actually focusing on whatever, I don't know, whatever program we're, we're, we're working on, yeah. right? Um, yeah, exactly. And, and I guess then that can, that can then sort of um, set itself up as a belief along the lines of, well, you're not allowed to function with anxiety, right? You're not allowed to mm-hmm. actually, um, when you notice anxiety is there, you're not allowed to um, get on with things and, 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 uh, and focus on things 
Um, You've got to give all of your attention. But that's also kind of a useful cue because I do think we need to give some attention. The question is, what attention do we give, right? Do we give the attention of um, that, that sort of, ramps ramps that anxiety up and uh, amplifies it or do we give a kind of attention that um, I suppose tries to um, bring those anxiety levels down and I guess that's where that sort of almost Socratic philosophizing can sometimes help um, yeah. in terms of like okay well is this true, what my mind's telling me? Is it helpful? Does it make sense? Does it really make sense if I sort of yeah. look at it from a from a kind of a more reasonable way? Now, sometimes we just don't even have the wherewithal to do that. And then we yeah. have to maybe go for a walk or do some meditation or do something physical to kind of yeah. get to that place. But... I suppose the question is yes when you what what is going to keep the anxiety at a at a manageable level but not yeah. but also not bring in that kind of um demanding side of us that says um well how much bloody longer do I have to put up with this when yeah. is it going to be sorted because unfortunately if the mind is an anxious system it's kind of always going to be there. It has to be there, surely, right? Um, forever yeah. until we until we die is when the is when anxiety fully um, leaves us, yeah. right? Yeah. Surely yeah. that that's the truth of it. Because I, I show me show me a I don't know even someone who's very old and wise who never experiences those kinds of. Who, who doesn't experience fear and worry and doubt, um, which are all anxiety generators. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, I mean, that, that that's the thing. I know, like, everyone says it and everyone is like, well, it's just about being in the moment and being present. But that's hard. It's genuinely very hard. I do my best. I had a teacher, well, a history teacher once that was always like, you need to be in the room. Just just don't think about anything else. Just be in the room. Be present. Be yeah. Just focus on what is in front of you, what's going on around you. That's it. But it's hard. It's very hard. It is hard. Uh, it is hard. <laughs> and it is very dependent on circumstances. So I can be supremely anxious and supremely depressed. But as soon as I sit down with a client and I am fully focused on them, just like as yeah. soon as you are, something's happening in the classroom and you need to give it your full attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also you, you're you in a bit of flow and you know that you can cope with it. So it's not also a, a, an, a, an event that you can't cope with. At yeah. that point, I'm sure you've experienced this too. You're suddenly yeah. no longer anxious or suddenly no longer depressed. I, I've experienced this often that I will mm-hmm. sort of drag myself to a session. And then <laughs> as soon as it begins, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of back to normal again. Um, yeah. I, might go, I might go back again afterwards, but in some way... But that is also the circumstances. That's why it doesn't surprise me that when you had this week off and you had yeah. more time to um, to sort of marinate a bit more mm-hmm. in in these uh, existential questions, that yes. that this would have also. Um, started to ferment more of that anxiety, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think there was a trigger as well, you know, seeing the family and yes. if you lost a relative. I mean, they're doing not splendidly is not the that who knows i mean i don't know the full story of how they're doing and how they're coping with the grief and it's there's no guidebook there's no there's no school for this you you just have to somehow get get by and they are doing very well like they're they are as positive as they can be but i just yeah i just when i do see them i just feel so much sadness i can't i can't help it you know and i and i think i'm also this is the kind of first loved one that I've real loved one that I feel like I've lost. I, I've, yeah. I've experienced yeah. loss of a grandparent before, but it was, I was very detached from, from it, you know, it happened in India. I was so far away from me and this is not a relative I spent sort of every single day with. So there wasn't that deep attachment there that I had for, you know, the relative that had just passed away. Like it was, this is like, so sort of like a father figure it, it, it's something, so many things I feel have shifted in in me since it's happened it felt like a very big loss um mm. and mm. yeah i guess i don't know i guess maybe over time it will just maybe get a bit easier um but yeah it was definitely a big a big thing for me <laughs> um but um i guess i don't know i just at the moment what seems to be on my mind the most is like okay anushka like the level of anxiety you're experiencing now is again not helpful and you know it's not doing you any favors it's definitely making you feel worse so what is the middle path how can you figure how can you crack this how can you crack this problem yeah um, um do i do i kind of go about my days like i guess that's a, this is what children do that's so i assume most children are very present and they're just kind of living moment to moment quite optimistic i would say on the whole about things you know relishing in all the joy and not thinking about mm. uh, existential questions or catastrophic or, or if they are thinking about it they're thinking about it with the mind of a child you know i'm, I'm listening to this absolutely delightful audiobook I, I think you would enjoy it it's uh it's called um, nasty, brutish, and short adventures in philosophy with kids, and it's about oh, this okay. professional philosopher who, um, who. So I don't know, you know, he's, he's sort of an academic philosopher, but he yeah. he realised that, and I'm sure you realise this too, right? Um, working with children, that children come at stuff in a way that is so fresh and interesting I and he know. and he realized yeah. that as adults we lose this but in fact yeah. they they have the answers in the se- or not the answers they have the questions they really have the interesting questions because they are still seeing life in that kind of um yeah through that childlike lens and yeah. so and so in some way, I mean, listening to this book, which is just so, such fun and, and, and so interesting, um, it's, it's reminding me again that, yeah, it, you know, that, that there's a sort of stressful way of, of thinking about these existential questions. And then there is a kind of childlike way. Mm-hmm. You're still thinking about the same stuff, but exactly. there is, but there is, yeah, intellectually, you're still getting fed in that sense. But it's in terms of how you feel, shall we say, mm-hmm. after having um, brought that particular kind of attention to it, it's yeah. it's very different, right? Because you're bringing it's 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 sort of playful, it's playfulness, it's curiosity, um, it's those things which we don't normally bring to the kind of more when we when we enter those existential questions, uh, um, you know, from a more kind of adult perspective. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think you're being, 
uh, yeah, I think I think this idea of almost allowing allowing um, those energies that you are in contact with every day and and yeah. to to in, infect you a little bit or affect Ooh, you in the in yeah. the nicest possible way and take some of that kind of almost childlike spirit with you into your own life. That's yeah. that would be an interesting um, sure. experiment. Uh, no, it's great. I mean, I definitely see myself, I definitely see that as a path for me. Like, I think I, I do look around me every day and I'm just in awe because it is, it's sad in a way because I don't, I haven't felt the way that they feel in a very long time, but just innocence and mm. playfulness to life and, and and genuine, like, you know, the way, I mean, not all kids are the same, but overall kids are polite and they greet you and they're very warm the energy is warm you know and a lot of adults you know right. have left those values or whatever those things behind them a long time ago you know it's that genuine there's an light. openness yes there's an openness yeah. to life but it's yeah. also let's let's remind ourselves this is i mean i'm sure these kids have uh, have their fears and worries and doubts but that doesn't. But the. But but that openness is also an antidote, I guess, to a certain yeah. kind of um, worrying, right? Because there, there, there's also a willingness to take risks. There's a willingness to ask questions that because they don't realise they they might be seen as stupid questions. There's a willingness to ask so-called stupid questions, right? Yeah. Because the stupid yeah. questions are actually the interesting questions, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, they're just fascinated by everything, and they just they're just there to learn. They're not. They're not. They don't feel. I mean, okay, a little bit of pressure maybe because these year year six kids they got to sit sat. That's the only like. This is probably the first time someone said, "Oh, you got to you've got to achieve something." Congrats, like you. This is your first kind of <laughs> uh, encounter with um, a little bit of pressure. But overall, yeah, they're just there to have fun. That's it. Like that's that's all they care about. That's How right. How can I have the most fun? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean we're coming to the end of our session but I think the other the other sort of um wing to this perhaps right you've got the sort of joyful um sort of almost kidult in the best way kind of philosophical wing but I think the other wing is again still using maybe this the sort of the language of kids is to go back psychologically a little bit to our ABCs. This is something I'm doing at the moment, which is thinking about the ABCs of anxiety. And the, and the ABC right. of anxiety, um, at least in the way that psychology understands it, right, is you have, as you said, you have a trigger. I mean, you, you, you put it so beautifully. You've got this family, you see this family, you go and visit them, and then you, yeah. and then you feel sad. You feel sad feelings and... and, and, yeah. and Maybe those sad feelings are healthy sad feelings in the sense that we need to feel them in order to recognize how much we cherish that person who we have lost. Yeah. But sometimes that sadness can be um, a sort of unhealthy form of sadness. And if it is, right, we're coming back to the unhealthy form of anxiety, um, the sadness would be the consequence of going to see the family. So the A is the activating event, go and see the family. The C is the consequence. But normally, <laughs> and in fact, in your story, this was perfectly shown, um, we completely uh, ignore, because it's not conscious, the the B, the B in the middle. Right. <laughs> and the B is basically what is going on unconsciously. So we need to work to bring it into consciousness a little bit. But what is going on in our 
belief structures or our mm. um, our sort of our attitudes towards, let's say, death or loss, yeah. right? So, for example, if the B is some kind of belief along the lines of, um, you know, um, people aren't allowed to die. I mean, it sounds crazy because it's not rational, but something like, yeah. like you know, like, you know, my favorite people aren't allowed to die, can't mm. die, right? Then understandably, yeah. you could imagine how being seeing this seeing this family and being reminded of that loss and let's imagine that that unconscious belief is is churning away like yeah. the people i care about on i'm i'm not allowed to lose them you could then sort of imagine how the sea the consequence would be not just sadness but actually a profound sadness an almost cataclysmic yeah. tormented sadness because it's like well well you know, if people aren't allowed to die, but this person died, then then the world is fucked up, excuse my French, yeah. right? <laughs> no, um, okay. And, and, and yeah. that's because maybe, I mean, I've used it deliberately because the other book I was going to recommend is my favorite book at the moment. It's called The Four Thoughts That Fuck You Up. And it's sort of looking at not thoughts, the four thoughts per se, like individual thoughts, but the four dimensions of thought that... Right really seem to drive at a psychological level kind of toxic, unhelpful, life-draining anxiety and depression yeah. as opposed to, yeah. let's call it, useful, helpful, helpful anxiety. You know, yeah. helpful anxiety yeah. is like, well... God, you know, um, did I, I don't know, did, did I pack the stuff I'm going to need for that lesson tomorrow? I mean, that's helpful anxiety, yeah. right? Um yeah. So maybe that's something we could, or you could. I'll send you the 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 the, the PDF of that. You can have yeah. a little look look at that book. Um, it's quite okay. a sh short, fun little read. Um, maybe that's some those sort of two things you might want to look at, and we could maybe even explore them a bit more if if we if we had yeah. ha had um, had had another session. Sure, that would be good. Please send the resources my way. That be that'd be really helpful. Of of course, I'd love to have a look. Um, yeah, I know. There's, um, there's, yeah, there's just a lot going on in the mind constantly. Um, there is, there is, and there's always a lot going on, which is why I also think that whatever we are using, whatever tools we're using, they need to be kind of simple mm -hmm. at some level. The, the, you know, it's sort of keep it simple, right? Because, of course, you could apply some very contorted psychoanalytic approach to your anxiety and yeah. and trace it back to all sorts of um, right. uh, family traumas and all sorts of things, which would be interesting and at some level potentially useful. But at that moment where you are struggling and you are aware that you've got too much anxiety and you just want to come back to yourself, come back to your yeah. senses, right? That isn't yeah. going to help you, I don't think, at that point. Mm, it's like there's, it's probably, in, at least in my case, I've noticed what works for me is, yeah, a grounding, a, a grounding thought or some, a belief that I can just keep telling myself or, and that, I mean, that, that has helped. The one that's like anxiety is useless has really helped me. <laughs> it, might be, it might be the one that I continue to use. That's again, a brilliant actually. one. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or this form of anxiety is useless, right? Yeah. Um, which is you, you're, it's, you, it's you admitting 
and we all know this. I think we all know when it's sort of not serving its purpose. Like, uh, yeah, we feel it. Yeah. You feel it. Yeah. You do feel it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's strange. It's a very strange. It's a it's a strange thing. It's like yeah, it's like a bad habit that you're just trying to kick, but you feel like if you don't, at least in my case, if I feel like if if I with it i'm miserable and then there's also a silly part of my brain that's saying that without it you will also be doomed so there really has to be some in between there that's what i'm trying to really just that's right and i i think it can be found with this idea of bringing in this more sort of flexible thinking style um because i think it's i think it's where those beliefs sort of where they feel crushing that's when the anxiety and depression becomes understandably crushing, um, yeah. right? So yeah. that would I think that would be something to 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 think about and talk talk more about if you're if you're sure. up for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am for sure, and this has been really, really great. It's um, to talk and touch base, and yeah, a lot of interesting things came out of our discussion. So I'm very I'm very happy about that as well. Um, and yeah, I'm feeling a lot better actually after having kind of talked it all out sort of all the thoughts that have been in my head because I think I haven't really been able to at least with relatives or people around me to have this kind of level of discussion and like sort of getting into the nitty-gritty of it I just don't think it would have been possible with with some of my relatives they would have just gone insane they would have like no they're not very deep thinkers (laughs) the Mm. people around me are not extremely deep thinkers so it's very rare that I can have these conversations with them Mm. yeah Mm. I thought, um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you for uh, the session. It was really great and it's given me a lot to uh, think about, yeah, going forward, see what might be the best thing, at least short term, for me to do. Give give you some stuff to to focus on and and work on. Great. So I'll I'll send that to you. I mean, I think they both work really well as audio books um, as well um, uh, because also I think, well, particularly I think the, the, the Four Thoughts one because it really allows, it's sort of like having that wise sensible but also it's written in quite a funny style it's quite an amusing kind of thing um, it's, it's even more amusing to listen to I think um, it's sort of having that kind of like I don't know, like, a, I don't know, a funny elder brother or something kind of, you know, t- 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 you know talking you off the ledge uh, um, in yeah. a way. So um, I'll send you, um, uh, I think I've got some of the audio files in a, in a, in a Dropbox. So if you, if you want to, you can listen to that or, or you can even, you know, obviously it's on Audible. I don't know if you use Audible. Do you ever use uh, that? Yeah, I think I have the app downloaded. So I could, yeah, I could have a listen. Yeah. Um, I could, yeah. But I'll yeah, send you I'll send you the PDF to have a look at as well. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. That would be really good. I'm very intrigued <laughs> to have a look. Great. Great. All right. I'll um so what do you want to do? Do you want to do just sort of um, kind of go have a little look and see where you are and organize something on an ad hoc basis or do you want to book in I don't know next week same time um what 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 what's your preference? Um Hmm. Let's actually let's book in next week at the same time if possible over the sure. phone. Would that would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, that'd be good okay. to touch base after a week and see if, in terms of me, like if things have gotten a bit better. And mm. yeah, I think I'd like that. Um, can we do that? Is that all right? Yeah, that's great. I'll speak to you next great. week. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. All Thank right. You. Ciao, ciao. Hope you have a nice evening. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.